Blog Talk Radio. My name is Tom Marquisell, Presidente. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning between the hours of 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Hey, are we ready for daylight savings time? If it was this time next week, we'd be one hour into the show. They think you lose an hour of sleep, but, well, maybe go, go to bed an hour earlier. So, that's coming up. The sun's up. It's ready. We're going to have a great show today. Uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show, get ready. Jump on here with us. Standing by in the balance green room. We're going to be uh, talking everything from March Madness to, uh, well, uh, ESPN. Are they trying to revive and bring back to life their Monday Night Football with a $20 million man? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Also, uh, IndyCar, about to get underway. We are 80 days away, people, from the Indianapolis 500, and we will be there in full force, uh, teaming up with Speedway Digest. We'll be down there as well. Speaking of Speedway Digest, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest uh, joins us uh, coming up at 10 o'clock in the second hour to break down NASCAR Phoenix. And then we're going to continue that conversation and the March Madness conversation at 10.30 uh, with uh, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. My name is Tom Michael Presidente. Stick around. It's about to get good. Come on. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. 
morning face you get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. All right, welcome back. 917-889-8516 is our digits. My name is Tom Marcos El Presidente. Joining us now is uh, Mo. This is uh, becoming kind of the normal thing for you to join in this first thing, uh, kind of waking up with us. So uh, welcome aboard. Uh, First segment, kicking things off with you, Mo, for the BS Sports Show. How is you, sir? Well, good, and that way it's only only up from here. Can only go up from here. That's right. Hey, you know, uh, well, before we get into everything here, I, I I obviously follow you on social media. I see your your time hop stamps, a, a lot of pictures that you post. But I saw one that stuck stuck out, and I said I got to ask him about this. Was that you with Hawk Hogan when you were like twelve? <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, no, I was uh, <laughs> in my twenties. You were you were how old? In my 20s at that point, I think. Oh, wow. Look at that. Because a lot of people don't know this, but didn't you used to work for the WWE? I did. Yep. So, yeah, it, back, uh, back, in my, back in my younger years. <laughs> back in the younger years. Well, hey, let's, you know, talking about the younger years, uh, we have all grown up watching Monday Night Football over the years, and we've seen it change from different anchors to different anchors. And, and I think at its, at, its, at its heyday, when it was actually on ABC, uh, which ABC and ESPN are still the same company, I get that, uh, but it was on regular network TV. Everybody could watch it. Howard Cosell was the, the, the play-by-play guy. They'd like to get it back to that level. Will they ever? I don't know, but they're trying to make some big attempts. They offered uh, 17 some on. They offered several million dollars, put it this way, to Tony Romo. And as we know, he went over to uh, uh, CBS to run the CBS um, uh, uh, football. Uh, I think they paid him around $17 million a year. So they went after their next fish, which it appears that, of course, we don't have anything official yet, so we'll just put that disclaimer there. But it does appear that uh, ESPN is ready to pay uh, Peyton Manning $20 million a year to be their front man for Monday Night Football. Does that bring him back to the days of Howard Cosell? And, and we've talked about for years since Peyton Manning retired, when's he coming back, when's he coming back, when's he coming back, what's he going to do? And we always thought that he might end up in the broadcast booth. It just seemed like outside of the ownership part of things or uh, leadership and a a team that was just the next natural progression for him. So not necessarily surprised that this is happening, but I got to ask you, is this happening? Is this this for real? It's probably closer than what we ever were, you know, before he had said that he didn't want to uh, have to criticize former teammates or his brother. So now that Eli is no longer playing uh, and Peyton is, you know, removed 
four years or whatever it's been now since he played. I think it's easier for him to take the job now. Uh, ESPN also trying to uh, possibly make a trade to NBC for Al Michaels and, and have that as their their crew, Al Michaels and Peyton Manning. So that would be something that I would that I would watch. They're also interested in ESPN is in uh, getting Thursday night football and Sunday night football. Uh, but you wonder if you're paying that much for Peyton Manning, is there a possible switch back to ABC for Monday Night Football? Well, that's what I was, that was going to be my next question. Great segue there. And then we got to bring back the uh, – was it ABC and Monday Night Football? Howard Cosell, didn't they wear the gold suits with the ABC logo on it? Or am I thinking about CBS? No, they, they wore the gold jackets with the ABC logo on it. Wouldn't that be – I always thought that would be – Peyton Manning or no, no matter who. Wouldn't that be cool – if they just did like a retro game on regular ABC and they were wearing the jackets, I don't know, man. Yeah, they, they need, they, that would be pretty sweet. I'd, I'd be down to watch it. They need to talk to us. Well, you know, here, here's the other thing, and, and I, I don't believe in to push the panic button, so I, I, I don't want to go all panicky here. But it is something to think about and talk about as we, as we approach – well, not just the NFL season, but as we approach any sporting event, we got as I mentioned in my opening monologue, we're 80 days away from the Indianapolis Motors, uh, Indianapolis 500 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, one of the largest tracks in the world, and we'll track over attract over 100,000 people. We see this. I don't want to call it a panic because I mean the media, the regular media, everybody out there wants to make it a panic, uh, but we do want to be alert and awareness these big venues are just an open petri dish we know that to be a fact with this coronavirus uh happening in the sports world what what should be done because the reason why i bring this up lebron james said that he won't play any more nba games if the nba does not address this more seriously so he's he's playing into the media hype which is the normal lebron james thing but there is something to be said that that maybe there are some extra precautions to be be had because we I just we also saw uh, uh, one of the uh, vendors in the XFL stadiums uh, what tested positive for the coronavirus. So this isn't something that we should just ignore, but it is something that they should take attention. To. So what, what where's the the good line and the bad line? I guess where are you going too far or where's far enough? Just sports in, in general. Uh, well, you know, it, it's it's hard because, you know, we don't know a ton about it still. Uh, you know, as far as we've been told, there's no cure. There's conspiracies on every side. So, you know, it's – I mean, any gathering of people, there's going to be a chance. I mean, even in a restaurant, there's a chance for somebody to sneeze on something accidentally and, and you catch something. So, I mean, it, it's, you can't shut down everything. At this, you know what I mean? You just – you can't. So – uh, I mean, I'm going to a hockey game tonight that uh, that's going to have, you know, 10, 15,000 people at it. So, uh, you know, just wash your hands. That's what the, the big thing we keep here, just wash your hands. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not shake, I don't shake hands with people anymore. It's always the fist bump. But that's been like that before the coronavirus. It's just, uh, you know, do your normal cleanliness things and, you know, try to cover your mouth with, you know, when you're sneezing or coughing and, and just be cautious. Let's uh, kind of get into some of the rumor here. Obviously, let's play the homer card with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they, uh, we know Marcus Mariota is coming up for free agency. We've talked about every possible quarterback possible. Are we? And we haven't seen any major changes. And 
in the quarterback situation with the Indianapolis Colts. Are we to kind of think, maybe step back and think that the Colts are going to wait to the draft and hang on to Jacoby Brissett and kind of go that direction? Because it would, you would say, you would think that if they were going to do Philip Rivers, which seemed to be the, and now we, we have uh, Nick Foles, which is the favorite, according to Vegas betting odds, uh, to come to Indianapolis. We see all the, now it's the Nick Foles. We see it was the Tim, Tom Brady. It was, it was Philip. Uh, we saw Marcus Mariota uh, had some interest. He comes into free agency on the 18th. Uh, so all these names are being tossed around, but that, that appears all it is is a toss salad. It doesn't appear like there's anything coming out the other end. Well, I, you know, I think that Chris Ballard's waiting his options to see if it's possible that he moves to get a quarterback. And if so, then Jacoby Brissett is the guy that you want to keep this year to kind of make that bridge, I think, into, into your next quarterback if he's a young guy. You know, uh, I mean, trading for Nick Foles, going back in the system with Frank Reich, I, I think is fine. But for the Colts to take on that much money uh, for a guy, uh, you know, who basically has just been a playoff quarterback, I, I think is a, is a bad decision. He hasn't been healthy the last couple of years. Uh, you know, so I, I don't like that move whatsoever. I don't like Philip Rivers' move. Um, you know, I, I still think the most intriguing one to me is Jameis Winston at this point. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, Chris Powell's not a guy who's big on bringing in high-priced free agents. Uh, and I, I think he's really weighing his options to see if there's a possibility of him moving in the draft. So we're on Brady Watch. And, and remember when we were on Favre Watch? Remember when we were on Gruden Watch? So this is Brady Watch. So this is his time. Uh, when's he going to let the world know what he's going to do? Oh boy, you know I I would assume that he's going to be the first quarterback, free agent quarterback to fall. I mean, I, I you know I would assume that that's what everybody's waiting for, and then these others will fall as well. It, it's going to come down to the, the Titans, I think, deciding if, who they want to go with, where they want to be, if they, if they believe in Tannehill after last year after one good year, or if they really going to take a shot trying to to bring Tom Brady in. That seems like clubhouse so far is the Tennessee Titans. Um, you know, but again, who knows? I mean, the the Patriots, uh, you know, always seem to get what they want. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see what happens at this point. But to me, I, I think the Titans are probably the favorite at this point if they decide to go uh, away from Ryan Tannehill. Phil Perpers, where's he go? Uh I think to the broadcast booth, if Peyton Manning says no to Monday Night Football. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get quite quite the money. And, you know, I think they, they, they thought about – I, I saw some uh, – you know how social media is. So you take it with a grain of salt. But I, I saw from reliable sources, not just uh, – not just fans uh, out there puking up stuff that uh, they might use Peyton Manning as a Swiss army knife to, to do games like Tennessee and, and other games that uh, prominences that, that, that might appeal to, to Peyton Manning. And he had, will have the exclusive use of their private jet. My first thought is doesn't Peyton Manning already have a private jet, but second of all, it sounds like they're really trying to – I guess my point is they're really trying to sweeten the pot here uh, for Peyton Manning to – to this is this is a you-can't-say-no type of deal. Yeah, but, you know, Peyton's a guy that doesn't really need the money. I mean, it's always nice to have more money, but, you know, Peyton's always been a guy that kind of just does what he wants. So, you know, the fact that they've done this tells you that so far whatever they've tried or talked to him about has not worked. So, you know, and I, I know – I don't think Peyton's holding on. I don't think it's all about the money. It's about him being happy. I don't know if he knows exactly what he wants to do yet. You know what I mean? I don't know if he – I know a couple of years ago he really wanted to be in the front office of a football team and be a part owner, but, you know, I don't know what, 
what uh, Peyton decides to do at this point. Well, we will see. We're also now uh, officially on on uh, Peyton Watch. <laughs> Man, it, it, we just we just we just got to keep talking about football. But I tell you what, what's coming up here in uh, eight days, seven hours, forty three minutes, and forty one seconds? That is Selection Sunday, and so let's <laughs> let's move into that. Obviously, uh, we'll get you a, a, a bracket, but. Let's talk about some of these bubble teams. Let's must let's play the home card again. Let's look at IU. IU, what's what's are, are they going to get in or are they not going to get in? Because they they got to finish up pretty strong if they even have a chance. But I think they're going to get in. Yeah, I feel like they're going to get in, but I, I think they can't get embarrassed today against Wisconsin, and they've got to they've got to win a first round game. I think in the Big Ten tournament, you can't you can't. Uh, Come out and just get slaughtered today, and then, and then you know, cre- you know, creep into the Big Ten tournament and fall apart in, in the round one. So I, I really think that IU, uh, they're a very Jekyll and Hyde type team. So I really think that they have to uh, keep the game somewhat close today, and then try to take the first round matchup in the Big Ten tournament. Well, let's talk a little bit about the bubble watch. If you're on the bubble right now and you're looking at some teams. And we'll get into some of these teams here in just a second. But what are some of the teams that you're looking at on the bubble that that need to have something happen today? You know, I mean, there's a team like Purdue who who has also been an up and down team this year, but they tend to pick up more wins. Michigan, I think, uh, is going to have to have some success in the Big Ten tournament. They were they were very good early on, and then you know, first year coach Jawan Howard, I think things just kind of fell apart for a while from Michigan. They're a team to me that. Uh, they really need to try to get things together if they're going to uh, make the NCAA tournament and uh, make it further. You know, you look at uh, a team like that, they're uh, they're an exciting team, and they can be fun, but, man, they've they've come out in games and just laid eggs like IU has. So uh, I think Michigan's probably the team I have my eye on more than anybody at this point. Talking to Mo from the BS Sports Show. Follow him on at Mo Radio. Hey, we uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about some of these playing games that we we, we talked about the first four uh, a little bit last week. And one of the games that we uh, teams that we talked a little bit about was NC State, North Carolina State. Does the Wolfpack have what it needs uh, to move on into the uh, move in from the regular season into the uh, NCAA tournament with the hopes of trying to to <laughs> Go even deeper, but they got to get that 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 first four, if you will. Yeah, I mean, is there is there a game that you can look back on and go, wow, that was a great NC State win? There's just there's very few. It's a very bland team. There's so many teams, uh, you know, in their conference that are such high profile teams. I think they're a team though. A lot of times we just don't think about it, forget about, it. and that's what you want to, you know, on some selection someday you want to have, uh, you know, that signature couple wins where they're not just forgetting about you because your conference is so deep. You know, that's happened in the Big Ten a few times as well. You know, you look at teams that I think just get forgotten about. We've seen it happen in Minnesota a couple of times. So if you're in NC State at this point, I, I think coming into the tournament, you need to have a signature win. So selection committee doesn't forget about you come selection Sunday. All right, let's talk about some of these bubble watch teams. Again, this is just Tom's list, but it, I think it's a, it's their legitimate list uh, uh, for for bubble watch uh, teams, if you will. Uh, Wichita State, uh, Wichita State lost at Memphis on Thursday night in what might have been or could have been a, a playout playout game. Uh, the Shockers were twenty two and eight on the season, uh, but uh, what are your, what are your thoughts about Wichita State there? Well, you know, they're a team that uh, has had some success in the NCAA tournament, 
uh, in the recent years. You know, and that, that a lot of times helps you. You know, your reputation uh, as a team as well can get you into the tournament. And I think that's the situation that Wichita State's in now. I think they've built up enough of a reputation where they have a good fan following, but they also have been able to knock off some of the big power programs in the past. And that's something that the NCAA selection committee looks for. But let's be honest, at the end of the day, uh, it's a TV show. And so the NCAA selection committee is looking for good teams and good games, but they're also mm-hmm. looking for upsets. For good ratings. Because, again, it, it, it's a TV show and they need a good rating. So Wichita State, I think, is a team that has, uh, you know, that reputation. And I know it's a team that you like. So uh, I think that they definitely uh, make it into the tournament and have a decent run. You know, on the flip side that we just talked about that uh, Wichita State lost to Memphis, uh, the Tigers put themselves in a position to make a run at a, at a large bid uh, over the course of the next week when they did beat Wichita State. So uh, how big of a win was that win of Memphis over Wichita State? Oh, it was a very big win. But the other thing it is is that we're so smart because the other thing that gets you into the tournament, Tom, not just your reputation or your play on the court, is uh, is your basketball coach. High-profile coaches, the NCAA selection committee has a hard time sending high-profile coaches at home. You know, there were a few years back uh, in, in the uh, Bob Knight years of Indiana basketball that they had no business probably being in the NCAA tournament, but you weren't going to sit Bob Knight at home because, again, it's a TV show. So having Penny Hardaway as their coach, I think definitely gives them a leg up on some of these other teams that are going to be fighting uh, to get into the tournament that are on bubble watch now. Having a high-profile coach, it's hard for the NCAA tournament, the selection committee, to leave them at home. So uh, I, I think they definitely have a, a leg up uh, having Penny Hardaway as their, as their head coach. Let's talk about Cincinnati. The Bearcats uh, dodged a bullet tip by erasing a 13-point deficit to beat South Florida on the road. Cincinnati has a pair of quad one wins. Uh, so what are, what are our thoughts again, uh, about Cincinnati getting another bubble team there? You know, they're a team that when they, you know, back in the uh, early part of the, the 2000s, you know, they were a team that had a lot of expectations that would tend to falter in the first or second round of the tournament. <clears throat> but when they're coming in kind of as an underdog of the bubble team, they're a team that's very scary to me. Uh, they're a team that I wouldn't want my team flying early on in the NCAA tournament if they wind up making it in. It's just they, they're, uh, they're, they're a scary team, and they can pour on the points uh, at times when you're not expecting it. So uh, if I'm a team, uh, that uh, high seed team, and I've got my first round matchup against Cincinnati. They're definitely a team that I don't want to see. Uh, again, you know, they're better when they don't have the expectations on like they had in the early part of the decade. Uh, I like the Bearcats a lot. So let's talk a little bit about Rhode Island. Uh, Rhode Island got absolutely pummeled at home on Wednesday night by by Dayton, losing by 27 uh, points in what was the, probably their biggest game of the season at this point. I don't see how the Rams get it, get a at-large bid at this point. No, I, I don't think it happens either. But, uh, you know, you look at, uh, too, that Dayton's a pretty damn good team. Uh, so while that uh, while it does hurt uh, Rhode Island, I don't know that it's the definite proverbial nail in the coffin because Dayton is such a, a good team this year. Uh, you know, the Rams are always fun, and I love their uniforms as well, so I'd love to see Rhode Island make it. But you're right. I, I think they've got a point. Uh, there's a point this year where this may uh, this may not work out for them. Well, they would if they get in. They would be the the favorite to go all the way to I love your uniform uh, bracket because everybody has that bracket. I'm just picking it because I like the uniform. I'm a, a lot of females are that one. Oh, I know that was probably sexist. Okay, maybe not only females, but you know, talk about Dayton being a good team. Dayton has historically been a good team. And let's look at when Archie Miller was at Dayton. Very good team when Archie Miller was there. Archie Miller moving over to IU, they thought, well, that's why this is 
this is our this is our Willie Walker Golden Ticket IU thought when they picked up uh, Archie Miller from Dayton. Is it IU or is it Archie Miller that we're having issues with recruiting? We're having issues with problems. When I say we, I mean IU. Because uh, you have Archie Miller, a a great coach at Dayton, and Dayton continues to have a great program, but IU seems to just be falling me- mediocre. Is I don't. Is it the coach? Well, I would think at this point it's the coach because if you look at when Tom Green was there, uh, you know they IU did uh, did have some pretty big seasons uh, and and some pretty big recruits. But you know sometimes guys uh, who are minor league pitchers that's where they peak. The minor leagues they were never meant to be major league pitchers. You know, and sometimes coaches are good in those smaller conferences. Uh, they're good at the mid-major schools and they don't peak. Not everybody's a Brad Stevens. So, you know, it, it's possible that that was Arlie's, Archie's feeling was, uh, was you know, a team like Dayton, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, you know, and I think when IU does make a change, you'll see Archie back at a mid-major type college because that's where he thrived. You know, maybe he's just not the best with the big-time recruits when it comes with all the money and the boosters and the parents and the expectations. You know, some guys just aren't built for that, and that may be what we found out with Archie Miller. He's just not built. And to me, he's not a great in-game coach either. You know, and you can get away with that sometimes in those mid-major conferences where you can't uh, in a conference like the Big Ten. Uh, I think IU made a mistake bringing him in. Uh, you know, I think they were they were too swift to act uh, because they, they believed the hype and the buzz uh, that Archie was going to get snapped up by somebody else. And, uh, you know, we are where we are right now. But, you know, being a, being a mid-major coach isn't a bad gig and not, uh, you know, not a bad thing to be. It, it just may be where he's peaked. Let's talk about the Big 12, if you will. Obviously, we know that uh, the top teams out there are Baylor, Kansas, West Virginia, and Oklahoma. Uh, but Texas Tech, uh, it feels kind of weird putting Texas Tech in the bubble conversation, considering the fact that they have a top 25. Uh, they are in the top 25. But the truth is that their resume isn't quite as strong as you might think this year with the Raiders. No, you know, and every year we see – the bottom half of the top 25 teams not make it in because of all the at-large bids. So, uh, you know, being being just because you're in the top 25 doesn't guarantee you a spot in the NCAA tournament. We see it every year happen. Uh, you know, like the Big 12, <clears throat> that it's possible for a team like the uh, Red Raiders not to make it in. I think they do make it at this point. Uh, but, uh, you know, don't rest on your laurels if you're a top 25 team and that's going to get you in. But uh, I think because of the strength of uh, of their conference, they're, they're probably going to be able to heek in uh, like an 11 or 12. The other Texas uh, school there in the in the Pac-12, uh, the run that the Longhorns are on is a downright incredible run. Uh, can they run right into the tournament? You know, it's possible at this point. I, I think they're definitely for sure that this is the definition of a bubble team. And without this run, honestly, I believe the shot to smart was going to be gone after this year. I think that the boosters and, and the administration are tired of the amount of money that they pay Shaka Smart to come in and be, uh, you know, mediocre at this point. So without this run, I think Shaka Smart would have lost his job. Uh, I, I think he probably needs to get into the NCAA tournament to, to keep his job. And, you know, again, you're talking about uh, a team with a big following, a big university, uh, and, and they might squeak in on reputation alone. But I think that they, uh, they're definitely a team that could be in some changes should they not make it. 
Well, we're going to be uh, jumping into the IndyCar conversation uh, in just a moment, but joining us now is our official IndyCar contributor, Matthew Embry from WSVT in South Bend. Matthew, we're talking a little bit about the bubble teams, and we're trying to get ready for uh, just eight days away till the uh, selection Sunday. I know we're going to be talking some IndyCar with you, but you also uh, wear the college hat. Talk with us about what your thoughts are on some of the bubble teams as we get ready for selection Sunday. Well, maybe we say more today. Purdue has to beat Rutgers today to have any hopes uh, because, I mean, yes, they could make a big run in the Big Ten tournament, but right now a loss here would put them at 15 losses of the regular season. No team in NCAA history has ever gotten an at-large bid with 16 losses, and unless Purdue would somehow run the table and win the automatic bid, they would have 16 losses on the season. So I'd say it, and I think Mo would agree with me here, Purdue loses today against Rutgers. I think you could write off Purdue as having a chance to get an at-large at this point. Mo, that's probably uh, uh, spot on. What are your thoughts? Yeah, 100%. You know, and, and Rutgers has been a team that people kind of just walked on over years, and you know, now all of a sudden they're they're knocking teams off. I I, uh, I agree 100%. You know, Purdue is definitely in, in some trouble at this point, and, uh, you know, can you can you sneak in? Uh, with a couple of wins and reputation, and that's what uh, I think Purdue Boilermaker fans are going to have to hope for. Well, right for the BS part, they're fighting on a win at Iowa, and that's the thing I think that killed Syracuse several years ago. Yeah, they had a bunch of quality wins. The problem is they were all at the Carrier Dome, and all of Purdue's big wins so far have been at Mackey Arena. I just don't think if they lose to Rutgers today, it's going to be enough to get them over the top. Mo from the BS Sports Show has joined us in our first segment. We got to move on to some IndyCar talk here with Matthew Embry and, and Mo. I know I know you got to get about your day, but uh, uh, any final words of wisdom, sir? Uh, yeah, I hope I don't die from the coronavirus. <laughs> got your mask all ready to go. All right, Mo. We'll talk with you soon. You can find Mo at, at Mo Radio. Has that changed, Mo? Uh, well, at least for now it's still the same. Who knows? It's uh, it's up and down on a daily basis. <laughs> All right, Mo. We'll, we'll catch up with you soon. You have yourself a good weekend. All right, guys. Have a good one. Mo with the BS Sports Show joins us in the first segment to break down some uh, NCAA uh, March Madness, uh, and then we talked a little bit about the uh, $20 million man that ESPN is trying to get together for Monday Night Football and the trade with Al Michaels, all kinds of stuff going on. Peyton Manning may or may not go to ESPN, but they are sure as heck trying. We'll be right back. We're going to get into our IndyCar conversation. It is 80 days away from the Indianapolis 500. We're going to get into that conversation with Matthew Embry, WSVT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. We'll be right back right after this. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. 
With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Right. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. All right, welcome back to The Balance. We're getting ready to start our IndyCar segment. Thanks to Mo from the BS, BS Sports Show joining us, talking some March Madness, some Monday Night Football, uh, some uh, just some all-around uh, sports. That's why we, you know, that's why he hosts the, the, B, the BS Sports Show. And joining us now is Matthew Embry, WSBT up at South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Matthew, 80 days away from the Indianapolis 500. What say you, sir? And eight days away from the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. And I'd say uh, right. a lot of interest is coming into play right now. In fact, that's one thing. Like you said, I need to get my preview ready for uh, to Steve Wilson at Speedway Digest uh, here in the next few days. That's one thing I need to start writing today, don't I? You do, sir. And uh, and uh, we're, we'll have a lot of fun with that. And, and we'll uh, go back to... Uh, maybe some things that we used to do, and that is combining our NASCAR and IndyCar stuff together with Speedway Digest and and use. It's going to be a lot a lot of fun. But uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, just not that I'm pushing the the mainstream media panic button, but it, it is things to talk about. Uh, we look at this coronavirus. We make jokes about it, and it, but it isn't a really joking matter. It's very serious, but it's not. We're not at the panic mode. But there should be proper preparedness. Let's talk about the Indianapolis 500 coming up in 80 days. And, and, but it's, you can pick a sport, pick a venue, pick, pick wherever. When you have thousands and thousands of people gathering at one location at one time, that's nothing but a Petri dish. So take the coronavirus away. You're still going to have issues, but this is a very serious thing. And, and we saw recently that a, a vendor with uh, the XFL tested positive for the coronavirus. I think everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing as far as, as far as the government goes and the CDC goes, and it's not near as bad here in the United States as it is in other countries. 
and, and, and even though, yes, the, you know, we've seen 100 people, and there might even be a, a, a few thousand people that contract this over a period of time, but when we, when we compare that to the regular flu, not near, it's not as bad as, as the world's making us think, but also there certainly should be preparations in place. Uh, like if you're Doug Bowles, how are you addressing this coronavirus? One, to make sure that you don't scare away people who want to come, and two, encourage people to know that it's okay to come to the Indianapolis 500. Well, that's part of the reason. For one, I haven't purchased my qualifying day or race day tickets yet because I'm not convinced this is going to be a safe situation at this point. I think it is being uh, very understated as to how dangerous this situation is right now. And uh, 250, 400,000 people, uh, I'd say right now that's a scary proposition, especially when you have all these people not just from the U.S. coming in, but all these people from outside the U.S. coming in. And, you know, you do make a valid point. There are a lot of international travelers, to include drivers, that come uh, to the Indianapolis 500. So we'll, we'll see. But, but you, can't, you can't live in fear. I mean, the race has to go on. Uh, so what, what, if, what does the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, we'll just use them as an example, but you can, you can talk about any team that you want, any, any venue that you want to talk about. But if you're Doug Bowles, and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Roger Penske and the group of leadership out there at the track, what can you do to to help fans? Well, like yourself, you're, that's why you're you're waiting. Uh, but I will be there no matter what. I'm not that worried about it. But there are people who are. So how does Doug Bowles and the leadership at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway address this this year? Well, they have to do a quarantine for certain people coming in. I guess that's what they're going to have to do. Uh, one thing I'd like to see for qualifying weekend is open up more of the grandstands to spread people out a little bit more if they're worried about contraction that route. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they need to create some more spaces where people can set up and stuff like that. I'd say that would be the best thing to do is right now try to limit the contraction, maybe, you know, limit concessions, stuff like that places where the things could happen because uh i'd say at this point you have to be you can't take it like it's a joke because i think uh it's the news information and what we've been seeing from cdc uh, verify that and uh so yeah you just got to be extra cautious right there and i think about the only thing i can think of at this point is maybe be a little bit more restrictive on food concessions and uh you know make sure that you know, we're not having people in the concession stands that are possibly that could possibly transfer something over to fans. I mean, not obviously intentionally, but accidentally where somebody could get really hurt. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll try to stay positive. I mean, I, I think just do what you're supposed to do anyway. Wash your hands. Uh, you, you know, don't maybe don't do the shake hands, do the fist bumps, uh, you know, but but. Let's 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 go about our lives. Let's not let's not shut down our lives and, and, and move into a bubble. Let's start talking about something else. A coincidence or not? Quinky dink? I don't think so. Jimmy Johnson scheduled to do an IndyCar test in April with McLaren. Uh, comes on the rear or, or on the tail or during, and we're going to get into this during the NASCAR conversation as well. Jimmy Johnson retiring from NASCAR. Was this intentional? to bring him over to IndyCar and what with McLaren and all this other stuff and Fernando Alonso 
what do we? What can we read into the tea leaves of the of a test with Jimmy Johnson with IndyCar and April with McLaren? Well, I think it's going to be similar to Alonzo. It's not going to be a full time ride by any means. I'd say maybe an Indy 500, IndyCar Grand Prix double at May, similar to maybe what Kyle Busch is thinking for 2021. So, uh, yeah, the thing is though, the start time's still a little bit ragged because I think the start time was around 12:30 last year, and there's rumors they may even push it like to 12:45. So, even though the races have been quicker over the last few years, and they've been threatening possibly race records stuff like that, uh, it's still going to be a tight fit though for some of these guys, like for instance, the Kyle Busch to possibly do the double, uh, able to get out. Uh, good time get to Indianapolis International Airport and on the way to Charlotte. So uh, at this point, though, but considering unless Jimmy's planning on running a double or anything like that, I'd say at worst this would be an Indy-only IndyCar Grand Prix thing potentially with someone. But uh, I'll be curious to see if it's with a team like Errol McLaren because that would mean that they would have to drop someone like Alonzo from an Indy-only seat to be able to make this happen because I don't think McLaren has the budget to run four cars. Well, and, and there, there you go. <laughs> I mean, do you drop do you drop Fernando Alonso, one of the greatest uh, uh, drivers in the world, or do you not sign Jimmy Johnson, one of the greatest drivers in the U.S.? And I, I, that's a hard decision to make because they're they're both very very good very very talented drivers. If it were me, and this is just me, but, but I I'm not in the decision making process. I would keep Fernando Alonso uh, because I think the risk is a lot lower and the payoff is a lot higher uh, as far as the ticket sales and and that sort of stuff. But you know, as as you mentioned, there may not be the budget for four cars. Well, here's the other factor, though, too. Last time Jimmy Johnson drove an open-wheel car was in his mid-teens, late teens, when he was driving off-road racing, and that was a buggy, which is not necessarily the same thing as driving an Indy car or any kind of minor thing. So he'd be making a significant jump here. been done before, but, uh, again, the same time, though, it's a major difference from driving a stock car a full body car to an Indy car where the wheels are exposed and obviously the elements affect the car a whole lot more than with a stock car. Well, as you mentioned, we're eight days away from the Grand Prix in uh, uh, St. Pete. Um, we're also eight days away from Selection Sunday, but uh, March 15th, 3.30 p.m., uh, certainly going to be on the NBC Sports uh, uh it, Later this week, we'll see Robin Miller and the gang out there on the, doing the qualifying. Uh, everybody's going to be there. Let's talk about the kickoff of the 2020 season of IndyCar. Well, first things first. What happened in Coda? What happened at uh, Sebring over the last couple of weeks? Forget about it. Teams were not showing everything they had at those tests. I think there was a lot of sandbagging going on, people really not wanting to show their hands. So, yes, while Carlin and Foyt were fast for those tests, I don't expect those teams to be challenging in the Firestone Fast 6 uh, next weekend. I think what you will see happen is you will see the main teams come back to the top of the list, like the Penske's, the Ganassi's, the Andretti's. Uh, maybe, you know, a surprise performance from maybe an Alex Palou and Coin, maybe, some, highly touted at this point 
maybe something from one of the Errol McLaren guys where it's O'Ward or Askew. But I think uh, you will see the main players at the top of the list, and I would not be surprised that that would be one Joseph Newgarden uh, in defense of his title. Let's uh, kind of talk about some of these stables, if you will, going into uh, getting ready for St. Pete. We'll certainly have a, a much more in-depth conversation about St. Pete next week. Uh, but let's just start with Team Penske, since you mentioned uh, uh, New Garden. Let's start with them. Uh, give us a breakdown of Team Penske for uh, St. Pete. Well, New Garden's place is safe, and I expect it to do well. But then the question is, though, what's going to happen with Power and Page, though? Because the thing that's hanging over them, as we know, is Scott McLaughlin. And Smart Money says that one of those two guys is going to get replaced. Now, right at this point, I would say it would be Pagno would be the easiest one to let go at this point, despite the fact he won the Indy 500 last year. But uh, you look at the scenarios right now, you got that hanging over your head. I'll be curious to see how they handle that pressure, if that pushes them to go a little bit harder maybe too hard in some cases where mistakes happen and it costs them championship points and positioning. Uh, I'd be very curious to see how having that driver looming out there, potentially for 2021, affects the performances of both Will Power and Simon Pagano this week, coming up next weekend. What about uh, Dale Coyne racing DCR? Where do you, where do you see them at? Ferrucci here, I think, when you'll see Ferrucci do damages during the month of May. I'm very curious to see what Alex Palou is all about. I just heard David Land, uh, my colleague Frank Linker at the Indy Sports Car Podcast. Um, Missy Linker has also thought highly of this guy, and I want to see if uh, that belief uh, turns true or not. Uh, we could. I'm not saying that he's going to be a you know, breakthrough guy like Wickens was a couple of years ago or Rosenquist was last year, but if he makes the fire so fast six, I don't think I'd be surprised either. Matthew, we start the farewell tour, if you will, of Tony Kanaan, TK, with A.J. Foyt Racing. Uh, first of all, A.J. Foyt Racing going into St. Pete and uh, the begin of the farewell tour or the farewell uh, season uh, for Tony Kanaan. What are your thoughts? Actually, it does not start this weekend. Uh, actually, Bordet will, or next weekend, Bordet will be in the 14. Uh, my only question, right, yeah, because he's mainly doing the ovals, et cetera, so... We're waiting until May before we see TK, but uh, like I said, they made some adjustments in the technical department with Foyt. Uh, some new men are in there, so I'll be very curious to see where guys like Kimball and Bordet end up uh, next weekend. But, yeah, we're still waiting till May and the month of May itself before we start talking to Kanata at this point. Ed Carpenter Racing, uh, give us a, a preview of, of Ed Carpenter Racing. Again, uh, I think we're waiting till May unless uh, something comes about where Connor Daly has a good run or Ryan SBK has a good run this weekend in the next few rounds at Barber, Long Beach, et cetera. But I think you'll see this team again be a challenger. That's why they were high up in the bracketology list promoted last week. Uh, I think you look at those teams and uh, you look at those scenarios, and uh, I think this is not the place where you expect them to do their damage. I think they will at Indy. But uh, who knows? Maybe there's extra motivation there for Connor Daly to possibly go into a full-time ride, possibly, if not with DCR, somewhere else in 2021. And getting off to a good start this season would certainly help that cause. Chip Ganassi Racing with the Iceman. Scott Dixon, uh, give us a preview going into St. Pete of uh, Chip Ganassi Racing. 
Well, I think right now the question is, is it going to be about the Iceman or is it going to be about Rosenquist? I think Rosenquist mm-hmm. now with the one under his belt, I think he could be possibly a 1A to Dixon. And like I said, I don't know how many more years and less than the tank Dixon has. I mean, what is he, like 38, 39 now, I think? He's up there. I don't know exactly how old he is, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, how will Marcus Erickson fit into the equation? I think Marcus Erickson showed some positive things with Errol McLaren last year, what with Schmidt-Peterson technically. Uh, how does he fare with a better car? Does he make a big jump? So I think the question is, although I expect Dixon will have a decent weekend next week, uh, I think the question is uh, how will Rosenquist and Erickson play in, and will they you know, uh, be challengers for the front of the field? Ray Hall Letterman Racing, obviously Graham Ray Hall's uh, uh, team with his father and uh, David uh, Letterman. But, but Ray Hall Letterman uh, Langan Racing, what are your thoughts? Remember a few years ago when Graham Ray Hall was the best thing since sliced bread on uh, road courses? I mean, he finished second at the IndyCar Grand Prix. They need to refine that thing where they are competitive on road courses because that was their calling card. They've been okay on the ovals, you know, Sato, and aggressive enough to get him up there. But beyond that, uh, the fight from Graham Rahal needs to be found quickly. Now, granted, I don't think being the son of Bobby Rahal, he's going to get fired or anything. But at the same time, though, Bobby has made it clear uh, no favors at the same time either where, you know, it's his seat to maintain. I mean, he had to earn the seat to begin with. He wasn't just given it like it w- was like Ray J. Foyt the fourth at Foyt or Marco Andretti and Andretti. He had to earn that seat before he actually got there. Cause remember, he started with Newman Haas and then jumped over to Fisher Hartman before he eventually did end up with Ray Hall. So, uh, I think uh, there's going to be no punches uh, held up here. I think uh, Graham's going to need to start finding the magic here uh, in 2020. I mean, I mean, granted, I don't think he's in any kind of danger of losing his seat or his Sato at this point, but uh, it's not necessarily a you know perfect scenario right now because this team is not where I would say you know a contender. Uh, at a track other than possibly the Indy 500 or Sato can get going. And, of course, that would have to be with the lesser of the two engines in the Honda power plant. So this is a team, I think, if you talk about teams that need to raise their profile on road courses in a big way, uh, Ray Hall Letterman is right along the list uh, among the Honda camp. If you're going to put a team like, say, Ed Carpenter at the top of the list in the Chevrolet camp for trying to improve the road course program. You mentioned Andretti. Uh, what are our thoughts uh, uh, with uh, Michael and company going into 2020 St. Pete and Indianapolis 500? Uh, they're running too many cars. Uh, you know, that's the thing in my book right now. Cause they're going to be running five full-time, plus they're going to be running Hinch at three events, the two Indy events, and then Texas. Uh, you have to have a massive amount of personnel, but keep in mind that this is not just an IndyCar program for Andretti. He still has a lot of resources overseas with Formula E. So it's not just one thing out there for Andretti. And then, of course, with Raleigh Krause gets back going, he's probably going to enter another Raleigh Krause team. So you just wonder with all those entities, uh, when does it become too much and the things and the dominoes start toppling over? And hopefully it's not this year because I don't want you know, people think that, well, it's Hinchcliffe's ride. It's the fault of the team. But uh, you wonder if the numbers are going to start getting too excessive for them where 
they can't be competitive because they're trying to stretch the resources too far. Now, I think if that's the case, the guy that would hurt the most is probably their best title threat, and that would be Alexander Rossi, who I think, besides Newgarden and Power, are, is the best driver currently on the circuit. Let's talk about Dragon Speed for a second. We know they've got Ben Han- Hanley. Uh, what do we know about that second car? Are they even going to run a second car this year? Well, the second driver, I think it's not going to be Colin Brown. I think it's going to be if they find the thing. I think they're interested in the Australian, that Jacob Allen, who they tested a few weeks ago. But uh, I think we'll see Hanley at St. Petersburg, and we're probably going to see, going with the better experience, him running the Indy 500. Uh, but again, I think one thing is whether or not uh, John Dick, uh, the longtime engineer, stays with this team. Because I think he was the one that kept them above water and allowed them to make the Indy 500 last year. Without his uh, guiding hand, uh, they could have a problem being competitive at several events this year, or at least the six that they plan on participating at. Dreyer and Reinbold still need another driver. Pip Man has a relationship with them. But I, I, I don't know. What, what, first of all, Dreyer and Reinbold, they got to fill that other car, or maybe they'll just run one car. Does Pippa Man have a ride this year, even if it's just her normal uh, appearance at the Indianapolis 500? thing is, though, would Dreyer and Reinbold pass up on J.R. Hildebrand? And considering that the Salesforce sponsorship they have is because of him, unless there is something that really radically changes here, I just do not see where they would pass up J.R. Hildebrand for Pippa Man at this point. Unfortunately, unless Pippa brings in an offer they can't, re- can't refuse, uh, I think she is probably going to be without a ride for this year's Indy 500. What about Carlin? Well, at this point, uh, we know, I think at this point, even though it hasn't been announced, uh, Philippe Nasser is going to be the driver of the 31 at St. Petersburg. And then uh, the question is, would they run a third car? And uh, I don't know. If, well, it wouldn't be the greatest of rides for Pippa. I think she'd have to bite and scratch her way to try to make the field. But uh, maybe it could work out there. Now, there's other drivers, Sergio Sete Camara. There's another F2 driver whose name is escaping me. At this point, they talked about testing at Sebring. I don't know if they did or not. But uh, at this point, uh, that may be the only option left. And, of course, that's a big if because there's no guarantees Carlin will enter or even enter a third car uh, for the Indy 500 because they are, you know, financially stretched and they've not had necessarily the success. So big thing for Trevor Carlin's team in 2020 is getting back on their feet because they certainly humiliated themselves uh, this past May when they failed to get not only Fernando Alonso in, they didn't get Max Chilton in, or they didn't get Pato Award into the field. Well, we've talked about all the teams that still need to fill a car, but there's one team that's completely filled up and I, I, it's one of our, well, we won't say smaller teams, because small is, by, by, is all relative when you use the word small and large, uh, but all eyes this year is on McLaren and their success. Uh, what are, what is your professional opinion of the 2020 success rate? What, what's a successful season for McLaren? Because all eyes are going to be watching McLaren big time this year. Well, if one of their drivers claims rookie of the year, I'd say that's a success because when you come in with two rookies like that, that's a lot of pressure and you cannot necessarily set the bar too high. I'd say right now, if you're looking to the Indianapolis 500 and the Grand Prix, I'd say getting a result for Alonzo is their best bet at this point because, uh, again, 
unless the rookies are red hot coming out of the box, you can't expect them to carry a team when they have never been in the Indy 500 before. And I'd say that's just asking way too much and expecting way too much from a rookie to expect them to be the number one right out of the box at probably one of the toughest events for a rookie to participate at, and obviously that being the Indy 500. Been talking with Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, and uh, joining forces with us to do some NASCAR and IndyCar coverage uh, with Speedway Digest. And Steve Wilson will be joining us here in just a minute. Uh, but and I don't know if you can join us for the for the next half hour or not. But let's let's go ahead and pick back up because I want to just kind of keep keep talking about this uh, uh, bubble watch that we were on and I was on with uh, with Mo. Let's talk a little bit about the Big East. Of course, you know Seton Hall, Villanova, Creighton, Butler, and Marquette are all a shoe-in. But um, let's talk a little bit about Xavier. The Musketeers lost at Providence on Wednesday, but it doesn't really hurt them that much. Xavier still has a lot, but but still has kind of a weird profile. The best thing about their resume is that they really haven't taken on any really bad losses. Xavier, Xavier on the bubble to get one of those at at large bids. Very tough to sell, but I think the thing that could save Xavier, like we've said with this, is because the candidates have that are on that cut line have so many major flaws among the power conference teams. I mean, that's how a team like, for instance, Northern Iowa is the last team in the field, according to Joe Lunardi at this point. And that's assuming they don't win the mountain, the Missouri Valley uh, conference title. So you look at the scenarios, uh, a lot of things uh, in dominoes are going to come down over the next uh, several days. But uh, I'd say Xavier, the last thing they can afford to have is an early X from the A-10 tournament. If they hold their own, at least get to the semifinals of the A-10 tournament, I'd say they have as good a chance as anyone to be able to secure their place in the field. Let's flip the script here. As we mentioned, they lost Xavier lost to Providence. Uh, the Friars uh, won their fifth straight game on Wednesday night, taking care of business again against Xavier. They are now 18 and 12 on the season. But at this point, Providence uh, should be uh, pretty good. Should feel pretty good about their chances about getting into the NCAA tournament. Providence is in, but uh, this surprises me. Lunardi has among his last four buys Rutgers all of a sudden, which I mean, Rutgers has a solid resume, in my opinion. Now, granted, majority of their wins, like Purdue, have been at home at the rack. But uh, I'm a little bit questionable about saying that they are in any kind of danger of missing the show at this point. So that's a little bit of a head-scratcher on my end, that they're that low, because I don't think they should be. But uh, Providence, as, as on the eight line, I think they're solidly in. I'm still very surprised that uh, he continues to keep Stephen F. Austin, a team that could have as many as 31 wins this season, uh, not even in any consideration to possibly even get in that large at this point when they have still had that road victory against Duke on their resume. So the fact that they are not being considered, I think, is a little bit of a head scratcher. And then you talk about a team like uh, – some of these other teams getting in a team like UCLA getting in that large with a very unsightly resume. Now, granted they've taken advantage of the PAC 12, which has not been exactly strong either, but a team like them getting in that large over some of these other teams uh, does not necessarily look all that great either though too, Tom. 
Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Matthew, we're getting ready to uh, merge into some NASCAR here in a second. Are you sticking around for the next half hour or you got to go? I can stay for a few more minutes. Okay. Matthew Embry, we'll be right back with uh, Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest. We're going to get into our NASCAR talk and get into some conversation about um, uh, Phoenix and what's going on. Uh, there. My name is Tom Marquis L. Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're hitting my eyes. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. One hour in the can. Thanks to Mo for the BS Sports Show jumping on with us and talking some. Well, Peyton Manning taking the booth with ESPN for Monday Night Football to try to bring back their heydays of Howard Cosell. We'll see. We'll see if that happens. Uh, and uh, also talking about uh, these bubble teams. And we uh, 
continuing our conversation a little bit here with Matthew Embry. Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, still on the line with us uh, from WSPT up in South Bend, uh, talking about IndyCar. We are eight days away from IndyCar rolling out in St. Pete, 80 days away from the Indianapolis 500, and we'll be out there in full force, teamed up with our team with Speedway Digest, who joins us now, Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest. Steve, how are you, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? Fantastic. Haven't caught the coronavirus yet. <laughs> hey, hey uh, you know, in, in all seriousness, we've been making jokes about it. We, I've talked uh, with everybody about it today, so we'll just go ahead and bring you into the conversation here. We, do, we, we, we don't want to take this lightly, but we don't want to fall into the panic mode that maybe the mainstream media is trying to put. So we want to, we want to find that we want to be safe. We want to take the proper precautions. We want to, but we don't want to live in a bubble. We don't want to live in fear. And, and Matthew mentioned that he's kind of apprehensive about going to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway because we don't know what's going on. So in the NASCAR setup, the NASCAR format, pick a venue, pick a track, Richmond, Phoenix, Indianapolis, Daytona, uh, Talladega, uh, just pick a track. It doesn't matter. When there's thousands of people gathering at one spot at one time, it's just a big Petri dish. So that's already an issue. But this is a concern, um, and especially more maybe so with IndyCar because this is a kind of a foreign-born type of thing. But everybody's talking about it, but let's do talk about it because if you're a, in the sports, in the racing world, that might be something that you have to, to – to prepare for. So let's talk about Phoenix. If you're in the leadership at Phoenix and this is top of mind, everybody's talking about it. Is there anything that Phoenix uh, racetrack can do to say, everything's okay. Come to the race. Nothing to worry about. What, what, what should they be doing? Um, well, I mean, honestly, I don't know how much the racetrack can do. I don't go and keep their facilities clean. And I know NASCAR has said that they've, put out a statement that they're monitoring the situation and don't see that they're going to make any extra changes, you know, as far as telling people not to come to the, the racetrack as of this time, you know, but they are going to start taking the extra precautions, bringing out more hand gel, uh, keeping the facilities clean, which, uh, you know, doing extra cleaning and things like that. So, you know, um, I think, I think this really stems down to the problem that, uh, we have a media today that kind of blows these situations up, and you know while this is a dangerous situation, obviously we also have to remember that in the United States, we've we've the 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 number of cases in the United States are relatively low compared to other places in the world, um, and and even so, that the cases that we are having here, uh, you know most of the people that you know unfortunately are passing away from this, you know they are either older people or they have pre- some other condition that, you know, has exacerbated this uh, to begin with. Um, and I think we need to be reporting on those facts because, you know, while, you know, you hear of the Swedens and Australios and, you know, these other countries that are just like, okay, no large gatherings and I think even just a day or two ago, the South by Southwest Festival itself was, was canceled. Uh, in Texas mm-hmm. because of this and you know you had a lot of the companies already pulling out but the city just said look we're just going to go ahead and we want you to cancel this thing but I think we're kind of spreading a little bit of fear in that at the same time and we have to realize that you know and I think in the United States alone we have something what is it like 90,000 people that, that die every year of the of the flu and 
you know, at this point, you know, with the coronavirus, you know, you need, even worldwide, we haven't even hit that number yet. But, you know, it is still a dangerous situation. It is a situation that we have to monitor. Obviously, you know, people need to go up there and wash their hands. And, you know, they need to do the things that they would normally would do anyways to, to not get the flu or cold or any really any other uh, something that's going around at that particular time. And um, but I think it just really comes back against the fact that we can't we can't spread fear. We have to uh, inform people as to what exactly needs what they need to be doing to protect themselves. And you know, by locking yourself in a room in a bubble is you know no better than you know going outside and not washing your hands and you know sneezing in your hand and then you know passing around germs. So you know it, you know it's it, there has to be a, there is a happy medium out there somewhere, but. I don't think at this point it's time to instill fear and tell people don't come, don't go out to your sporting event, don't do this, don't do that, lock yourself in a room, and don't come out until we tell you. Exactly, exactly. So I think there has to be a happy medium. Uh, joining us still, though, a little bit uh, for a few more minutes is uh, Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor. And, Matthew, I know you're going to talk a little NASCAR with us now. Uh, one of the good things I saw out of the track this week, uh, and I saw the tweet from um, – uh, LaJoy, who said, "Well, look who I found. It was Ryan Newman. He's obviously not going to be in the in the in the car racing, but it was good to see him out at the track." Uh, Matthew, what are your thoughts about Ryan Newman, the wreck, the recovery? He's out at the track. He's not driving, but it's, they're all good positive signs. Well, it's good to see him back there. Obviously, he still says he's affected by the head injuries or whatever the case is. So I don't think. I'd be very surprised if he's in a car in any time in 2020. And uh, like I said uh, earlier, when the accident happened, I think he's going to have a major think as to whether or not do I really need this anymore. Uh, He's up there in age now. He's got a lot of concerns out the track that we talked about uh, children wise. Uh, Of course, he has separated from his longtime wife, Chrissy. Uh, So, there's a lot of things besides racing going on for Ryan Newman, and I think the big question in my mind after a crash like that, will he be inclined to get back in that race car or not? Yeah, and what are your thoughts about that, uh, Steve? I, I mean, when we look at this, we've seen this happen with other drivers, and, and I think we talked about this before, uh, Steve, that, that there's just something in their blood. So, uh, do, I mean, I think that he'll get back in a car and race again. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I've always kind of been the of, of the opinion that race car drivers are a different breed of people, and they, in the aspect of that, they go up there and they have a very dangerous profession, and you know they they can we've seen them we've seen a lot of drivers be involved in these these very vicious vicious wrecks, and you know Kyle Larson, you know not too long ago, about six seven years ago, you know plowed into the fence, tore the fence down at Daytona, Austin Dillon himself. Uh, tore the fence down, tore that car off at at Daytona. Ben Kennedy uh, at Kentucky one year in a truck, and you know these are just in recent memory in the last you know four or five years, and these have been very vicious, vicious wrecks out there. Um, and, and and these drivers they'll they'll go back, they stress themselves in a race car again, and uh, go back at doing what they do. Uh, I mean, even think about what Kyle Busch did when he won his first championship. I mean. He wrecked in he wrecked an Xfinity Series event, broke his legs in, in that, 
uh, was a very vicious, vicious wreck, and he went back to the race car and won the championship that year. So, you know, sometimes I think these race car drivers, they're, they're a whole different subset of, of people in, in the way that they put themselves on the line, and, you know, they're so, they're mentally wired, I think, a different way than maybe some somebody else to go out there and do those types of things, and uh, will Ryan get back in the car again? I, I think he wants to get back in the car again, but I think NASCAR at the same time they they're going to monitor the situation because we're in a we're in a culture right now where you know we we're so concerned about concussions and you know other uh, you know brain injuries and physical injuries now that um, you know we've never really looked at in the way that we look at them today and. I think, you know, you look at the way that the NFL does, you know, their concussion protocols and NASCAR is now doing something similar or even, uh, you know, differently in the fact of, you know, you've, you've got to go through the concussion protocols on their end and be clear to get back in the race car. So, do you want to get back? I think so. Will we see him back? I'm just not sure. I think he has to go through the process and see where he is. And uh, I know for a long time, you know, you think back to Dale Jr., what Dale Jr. went through and all his concussions before he finally just said, look, I can't do this anymore. I have to step away from the race car. Um, and, and, you know, I think, you know, for Dale, he, he, he did the right thing on his end. And we'll see what happens with Ryan when he goes through this process. Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest joins us. Also, Matthew Embry from uh, WSVT up in our South, up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Steve, uh, the Bush Class moving to the Daytona Road Course in 2021. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm not really a fan of this because I think that you know my my opinion is is that. In the last couple of years, the fans have asked for two things in the last couple of years. More road courses, more short tracks. Uh, Charlotte went out there and they, they changed the way that they're doing things. Um, and, and now we have a local race out there. Um, Sonoma has changed their road course uh, layout uh, also. And Watkins Glen and, you know, these tracks that we currently do have. Um, I just don't think that just continue to add road courses is the answer to everything and I know a lot of people were frustrated by what happened in the Bush class this year and a lot of people joke to call it the Bush class um, you know we had you know pretty much the entire field um, you know involved in one wreck one way shape or form but uh, I just I, I just think they just added this to the road course out there I just don't see a value into this because typically we've used the Bush Clash as uh, as a gauge as to who's fast, who's going to do what, and, and build some interest for the oval track in the Daytona 500. And I just don't see where it builds that interest going into the Daytona 500. Now I know in 2021 they're going to use the current generation car because they don't want to go out there and tear up the new generation car that will debut in the Daytona 500 next year. Um, maybe that's one 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 reason why they're doing this. But you know, again, you know, in in auto racing, wrecks are going to happen. And while it's frustrating with what we saw in the Bush Class this year, I just don't think by moving it to the road course has, you know, is going to build the same type of interest that we would see uh, by keeping them on the oval race. Matthew, oh, I know boy, you said you could only hang, hang around for a few more minutes. We're going to let you go ahead and chime in here. Got the race in Phoenix, and, uh, of course, we were just talking about uh, the duel being moved to the road course in Daytona, so we'll let this uh, be your final word because I know you got to bail. You mean the clash? 
clash. Sorry. <laughs> That's exactly what I meant. I don't know what I'm talking I'm about. All... It's still too early. <laughs> I mean, you keep talking about wanting to increase road course racing in the sport and uh, try to get it on the same level, you know, the mixed thing like IndyCar has. I think this certainly help. And uh, like I said, uh, the thing with the clash is guys are just going for broke and recklessly driving. And I think that's, what's causing this. And I think uh, sooner or later that they're not going to learn their lesson. I mean, we keep saying that these guys need to calm down, take it easy a little bit and they won't do it. So uh, I think right now NASCAR is just trying to protect the drivers from themselves at this point. And uh, unfortunately uh, this was the only alternative to be able to do it. Now, granted, may not be popular with some, but I think it's a change for the good. And uh, the drivers, I think, just need to, you know, stop saying, you know, we need to stop this. We need to be a little bit more controlled. We just can't just go for a hole that's only a 1% hole all the time because it's not going to work. I mean, it's trying to get, you know, uh, a bowl through a keyhole. I mean, it's impossible. Matthew Embry, WSVT, up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Matthew, eight days away till we go to, to St. Pete. Where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? M-A-T-T-M-B-U-R-Y, and uh, stand by, Steve. Uh, hopefully I'll have that preview to you here in the next couple days. Sounds good. Thanks, uh, thanks Matthew. Uh, uh, now let's go back to you, uh, Steve. Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor. We talked a little bit about this in our IndyCar segment. Jimmy Johnson on his retirement farewell tour, uh, under the radar, does an Indy, is doing an IndyCar test in April with McLaren. Coincidence? I don't think so. Hmm. But then that brings up the, the decision with McLaren. Do they want to go with one of the world's greatest drivers ever? Or do they want to go with one of the greatest drivers in America ever and take a chance on a guy who hasn't run open wheel since he was a teenager? What are your thoughts? Jimmy Johnson uh, doing some IndyCar testing with McLaren. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. Anytime that we do see these drivers cross over and do IndyCar or even IndyCar guys that come over to NASCAR because I think it draws a great deal of interest. You see a driver that is arguably either has accomplished more in the modern era than anybody else with seven championships uh, and four of them back-to-back-to-back. So uh, I think it draws a great deal of interest from IndyCar guys. And, you know, he started, you know, as you said, he's a, he started as an open-wheel uh, racer to begin with. So uh, you may have a lot of those uh, people on that side of the house that, you know, have followed him to NASCAR and kept up with him here and there over the years and, Maybe we'll draw some interest from our side over to IndyCar, and uh, I think you know, really, I think honestly, one of the, one of the things that we're going to have to work together on is that IndyCar and NASCAR are just going to have to, at some point, you know, now that Penske is part of this, I think maybe a wholesale working together uh, at some of these events, doing some more back-to-back events, and maybe start getting more of these drivers that will cross over like this. But as far as it, as Jimmy is concerned. Um, you know, I think he put it the way that, you know, just last week at Auto Club Speedway, he was, you know, asked about running for the championship. And uh, I think this kind of surmises, you know, what he's doing over there on that side is that he's going to go out there. He's not going to worry about what happens. He's just not going to, he's going to put it all out there and leave it on the line and whatever happens, happens. And I think he's looking at other ways uh, to, to continue his, uh, 
uh, you know, in motorsports. And we even saw Jeff Gordon, uh, when he retired, he went and got into a Rolex car and ran, I mean, in an IMSA car and ran the Rolex 24 one year. So, you know, this this is a way for, you know, Jimmy to, to maybe go out there and do some of these things that he hasn't been able to do. Uh, you know, it's tough for, you know, uh, uh, the NASCAR drivers to go out there and then try to run the Indy 500 or really any Indy race to begin with um, because of the way that the schedule is on the Indy car side. So, you know, uh, I know a lot of these drivers want to go on that side, and I think this is an opportunity that even if he doesn't do it this year, then maybe it's something that he's looking at for for next year when he's no longer driving. And we're out in the desert uh, today, uh, in, finishing up the West Coast uh, swing, if you will. Uh, Chase Elliott uh, tells Kyle Busch in the final cup practice. Uh, so uh, what are your thoughts? Chase Elliott, I still, I, I'm still on that Elliott train. Oh, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, for him, I think he's, he's, he's going to continue doing what he's doing. And I think for him, uh, Hendrick Motorsports, that, you know, they're putting this program back together. And I think Hendrick for a while there has kind of, you know, been set to the side that we just talk about yoga's racing, like, well, every, obviously every week. Um, and, and quietly, quietly, you know, Chase Elliott and, you know, now Alex Bowman last week at, at California uh, are starting to, to be part of the conversation more and more often. And, you know, for Chase, he's a young guy that that is, uh, you know, still in the early parts of his career that, you know, well, he won with you the year last year. But, um, you know, for him, I think he's, you know, he's he's doing what he needs to do, honestly, and, uh, I think it's better for him that, you know, coming from a name like Elliot, that he doesn't go out there and try and uh, do everything all at once. I don't think that he needs to go out there and try and get people to compare him to his dad. And I think he's setting his own way in the fact of, uh, uh, you know, he, he's not out there and maybe not part of that conversation because it takes some of that stress off of him where people aren't looking at him and critiquing him as much as maybe they would if, he was part of the conversation every week, and um, there's bright things that come of him. And you know, Elliot is uh, has faced some challenges in the fact that he's just had some very, very bad luck. Uh, you know, going out there and been in the front, leading multiple times, and then you know, just something happens, and um, he, he's I mean, he's going to win some races this year. Which ones he's going to win, I don't know, but you know, Phoenix might be a good way because it's fits right into his wheelhouse uh, on, you know, where some of the races that he's already won. Big race at Phoenix uh, to, today uh, and uh, qualifying coming up here just a little bit later, but on, for Sunday's race at Phoenix. But this is cre- uh, critical for a lot of teams for two important reasons. It's an opportunity for them to race on the track that the, the, the season's championship race uh, will be held later on in the season. And it's the first race in which teams will revert back to the 2018 aero package on shorter track and road courses. How 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 much of an impact is that? Well, I I, I think there's two lanes that we're going to go down. One lane is, is that they've reverted back to the 2018 package, and the racing is better than we saw at Phoenix last year which, uh, you know, a lot of people were highly critical of the fact of the racing that we saw at Phoenix last year, and then it gets put into the as the championship race. 
So this is going to be a test to see what they've done, if it's going to make a change to the racing out there, uh, I think. But it's also going to start telling the the tale of the second lane that we're going to go down, and so it's going to start telling the tale of when we get to the Richmonds, when we get to the Watkins Glens, the Nomas, etc., down the line, on what, if, if this is doing anything to help the racing out there, and I think it's hard to tell right now just from a couple of odd practices or so. Um, we need to get all the cars out there on the field, and uh, I know a lot of people are really enthusiastic about this low downforce package, and you know, I've said in the past that some of these low downforce packages in, in, well, at Kentucky, I said it at Kentucky a couple of years ago when they tested this before it actually rolled out on a larger scale, that these really low, low downforce packages seem to produce a lot better racing than we've traditionally seen, and um, you know, for for NASCAR to pull the lever, like they said, and go to this package for these races this year shows that they're listening to the fans, they're willing to make the changes where they need to make the changes at, and produce better racing. And you know, I'm I'm hopeful from you know what we've seen in the past that this low low downforce package will produce better racing. Big news announcement, if you will. Tony Stewart returns to NASCAR racing for one more race, uh, and that's the Xfinity race here in Indianapolis on July 4th weekend. Obviously, that's Brickyard weekend, and I'm glad they moved the date. It's going to be hot as hell again, uh, but I think this was a good move for NASCAR to move it to the July 4th weekend. But Tony Stewart's going to make an appearance in the Xfinity series uh, on in July 4th weekend. Hmm. Do you think that Tony Stewart was actually going to go out there and not try and run this race after it was announced? Uh, well, you, you you never know. You never know. So, are you are you saying he's not going to do it? No, no. I, I'm just saying that he is. I know he is going oh, to do okay. it. I'm just saying that you know, for for a race like that, that you know, it's obviously something different. It's right there in his backyard and. Uh, you know, did you? I mean, I'm, I'm just you know more rhetorical in the fact of did did you think that he wasn't going to go try and jump on the road course there in Indianapolis and, and run it racing? I I I think it brings you know it brings a lot of excitement to it because you know he is an exciting racer, but and uh, whatever happens out there is going to be a fun time, whatever whatever that might be. Maybe we'll get Steve, some more Tony Stewart quotes. Steve, Steve, don't uh, use big words like rhetorical with me. Break down the Phoenix uh, uh, track with us and tell us uh, uh, about the race and, and what can we expect this weekend. Well, as you already went through, then going back to the Lolo downforce package out there with that about two-plus-inch forward blade on the back, which uh, really is going to make this a little bit tougher to drive for, for them out there. Uh, NASCAR has also gone out and put some of the uh, PJ1 out on the racetrack, and for what most people don't know what that is, that's the uh, adhesion that they put onto the track to try and open the lanes up uh, and get more grip on either the lower lane or higher lane. But NASCAR has gone out there and done this on the outer lane to try and get two and three wide racing out there. Um, get some people above that line where we traditionally see them run below the line there at Phoenix and. Maybe get them up on the racetrack and get some, uh, you know, get some two and three watt racing out there. So, um, so far I haven't seen too many people go out there and run it, but that's, uh, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, where we where we've seen practices anyways. And I think once we start getting to the race later today and tomorrow, 
we'll see some people try and jump up there and see if they can make it work. And uh, the third thing this weekend out there is that NASCAR, oh, Goodyear has bought a softer tire out there. Uh, this is something that a lot of people have said, you know, for years that, you know, Goodyear is bringing these tires to the racetracks that last an entire fuel line. And if they bought some tires that are a little bit uh, softer, that fell off a little bit more during the fuel run, it's going to make these cars harder harder to, to control. Um, so I'm I'm happy to, to that Goodyear is bringing a softer tire out there. Hopefully the fall off will uh, make these cars harder to handle. And I think if you're going to be the best race car drivers in the world, you can dr- handle a, a car and manage your tires. And I think that's imperative to a race where we get back to that too. Hey, Steve, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, go ahead and talk for a minute or two. I got a sign for something at the door. <laughs> I apologize. So I, I'm going to be off mic for about uh, two minutes. So just go ahead and just talk, okay? <laughs> I'm so sorry, buddy. <laughs> just just talk about anything I want to talk about, huh? Talk about anything uh, you want. Know. That's kind of dangerous. Uh, uh, I'll be right okay. back. Anything I want. Nah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So as as I was kind of saying that, you know, NASCAR – He's going to bring these soft. Oh, Goodyear is going to bring these softer tires back. And really, I think um, you know we we saw we saw years ago where tires tire management became uh, a part of the race, and we just really haven't seen that in the last couple of years with these harder tires, tires that are lasting, full entire fuel runs, lasting entire stages like at places like Martinsville and things like that. And uh, when the cars kind of get some heat into them, the tires get some heat into them, track gets some heat into them, and and you've got tires that are, you know, wearing down. They slip and slide around. Uh, they become harder to handle. And I think, you know, we really, that's really something that has been, become a lost art uh, when you get to some of these series and or into the top three series out there. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of drivers out there that, that have good tire control, that have been around in the sport for a long time and can remember tire or tire management, tire control out there. Uh, but you know the, some of the newer drivers may not may not know what that is, and I think that this makes it for a more exciting race. That when we start um, getting drivers out there that slip and slide around and get heat into the tires and get heat into the face track. But you know, Phoenix uh, this weekend is going to be a very interesting weekend in the fact of you know, we're going to combine all these things together and. Uh, I think it's really just a test run to see where we go, not only with this current generation car when we get to places like Phoenix or uh, Martinsville or Watkins Glen and Sonoma, but, you know, maybe this is a test to also see what we can do with the next generation car. NASCAR is really doing all kinds of testing, doing all kinds of data acquisition onto the new car and, uh, you know, maybe softer tires can be part of this, and you know, we, we change the racing up on on different aspects of the sport. And you know, tires have been a concern for for years, and hopefully that the uh, next gen car itself will uh, incorporate some of these uh, newer features into it. While uh, NASCAR hasn't necessarily uh, put the final baseline down for for the car. Um, you know, this this gives okay, Steve, I'm back. Go, go ahead. Go out there. 
Steve, you're a, yeah, you're I'm, an awesome time filler, bro. I appreciate it, man. I I had to sign for something at the door. You rock. Joining us also is Tony Donahue from the Tony D podcast. Tony, we're going to continue this uh, NASCAR conversation with you, but I know that that uh, you got to go, uh, Steve. Uh, uh, any final words or wisdom? Where can people find your work in masterpieces uh, at Speedway Digest? You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon, and we'll be uh, uh, certainly uh, watching for the updates with the Phoenix Rays. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast joins us. Tony, how are you? I'm good, man. Happy Saturday morning to you. Why does people come to the door that name my signature during the show? Why does that always happen? Invariably, that always happens. It's like when you set up cable. It's like when you set up cable and they say, hey, we'll be there between uh, 1 p.m. and 6 p.m. Okay, that's a huge window. That's right. That's absolutely right. Well, let's uh, continue this conversation. We're talking about uh, NASCAR out there in Phoenix. Some, some, a couple big things that happened this week as far as news goes, and we'll get your, your thoughts on this. Uh, first of all, found out Jimmy Johnson's going to be doing some testing in April with McLaren. I, you know, is it a coincidence that he's uh, doing this in his uh, retirement tour, if you will? I don't think so. But then that, that – puts uh, McLaren in a in a quirky situation because they they've got Fernando Alonso. So do they keep the driver or I don't know if they have the budget for a fourth car. That might be the answer. But let's say that they they're keeping the, the third car, the three cars there. So uh you if you're McLaren, you make a decision between a driver that's the most famous driver one of the most famous drivers in the world or one of the most famous drivers in the United States who hasn't driven an open wheel uh, car since he's been in, uh, been a teenager. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you'll see McLaren have Alonzo in for the Indianapolis 500. Uh, he may run one or two other races. So that third car would be the one that Jimmy Johnson would pilot, especially for the testing session. Um, I do think we'll see Jimmy Johnson, not this year, but more than likely next year, run some road course races for, for um, Aeroschmidt McLaren. Could be the Indianapolis Grand Prix. That would be huge. I'm sure he would love to run Long Beach. Obviously, growing up in Southern California, that would be a huge uh, event for him to want to race. So I think we'll see him in a third car on, the, on a few road courses come 2021. Also, big news uh, coming out. Uh, maybe it's a rhetorical question. Did we really think this wouldn't happen? Uh, but uh, Tony Stewart announces that he's going to be back at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as a driver for the Xfinity Race during the July 4th weekend, I'm glad they moved it to that weekend, by the way. That's just me. I know it's going to be hot as hell, but, hey, that's if you're, not, if you're at the track and you're cold, it's, it's not at the track. So, uh, But Tony Stewart to uh, race the Xfinity race July 4th weekend. Yeah, that'll be cool. I mean, that'll get a lot of people out there that you know may have been hesitant, but I think you're going to see a great crowd out there because that's something new. They're going to see the Xfinity boys uh, beat and bang off of each other. Maybe you see a couple of uh, full-time IndyCar drivers running that one as well. But, yeah, it'll be cool for Tony Stewart to get back out there. Um, you know, his last his last cup one came on a road course at Sonoma. Um, it, it's it's returning home for him, is obviously being right here from Indianapolis. So that'll be another added element to it. And, um, you know, he'll be up against some stiff competition because I think you'll see a lot of uh, cup drivers running that. Chase Briscoe's off to a really good start in the Xfinity Series. So uh, that's going to be an exciting weekend, 4th of July weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I think the best weekend, or the best race of that weekend will be the road course race for the Xfinity Series. 
I don't know if you saw the tweet this week from LaJoy, but he's, he tweeted a picture. He's like, look who I found. It was Ryan Newman. I, Ryan Newman's back at the track, obviously not racing, but it's good to see him back at the track, back in his element. But there are certain people who are, are uh, skeptics, if you will, that he'll get back into the car. I mean, we gotta we got to know that this is in his blood. This is what he does. Uh, and he's got to realize that he survived a crash in part because of a cockpit that, that he helped design. I, I say he gets back in the in the car. I don't know when. Uh, I mean, I think we, we're, we're still a little ways away from determining that. But it was good to see him back out at the track and kind of in his element at Phoenix this week. Yeah, I heard him make some comments this morning about, yeah, it's nice to be back. I don't know when I'll be back in a car, but what I'm going to do this weekend is learn how both teams operate, learn how – you know, what goes on when I'm not in the car or, you know, what, what, what could I learn to do better? Um, seemed like he was in really good spirits, feeling good. He said, um, but yeah, I definitely think he'll be back in a race car. Who knows when that will be. Um, but you know, that's what these guys do. You, you get into an accident and you got to hop back in the race car sometimes the next day or even, you know, even, even that same day. So um, take some time off, rest up and then get back for Ryan Newman. I think we'll see him back in the sixth car, uh, but I think Ross Chastain's done a pretty good job over the last two races of filling in uh, for Ryan Newman. So we'll definitely see him back at some point this year, I would imagine. Chase Elliott uh, tops Kyle Busch in practice. we got qualifying coming up here in a couple hours. Talk with us uh, a little bit about Phoenix. And i tell you what, I like Chase Elliott. I've been saying this for a couple of years. It's almost his time. It's almost his time. Yeah, Phoenix is really cool. You know, the, the new configuration that we saw last year were – you know, kind of what was turned to heading to the back straightaway is now the finish line. And then you get that dog leg, the kink, the, the Arca race got, got crazy last night. It was spread out, um, you know, on restarts kind of, you know, it, it's the only, it's the only track really where you have a very technical turn that takes you right to the finish line. So, um, you know, Alex Bowman's always really good here. We saw the momentum that he gained last week by being, you know, he qualified second as fast as both practice sessions ended up winning the race. Um, so look for Alex Bowman to continue that momentum. I like Chase Elliott as well. Uh, nice little dark horse for you. Could be Ty Dillon. Ty Dillon's really good at this track. Uh, he was fifth today in practice. Well, so we're talking with Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast. Tony, let's. Uh, while I still got you here, let's move on over to. Uh, we're, we're eight days away from the start of IndyCar and also eight days away from uh, Selection Sunday. Uh, actually, eight eight. I got the count, official countdown here. Actually, eight. Uh, stand by. I don't know. I had it up. I lost it. I'm a loser. Eight days and so many hours. Eight eight days, six hours, 21 minutes, and 48, 47 seconds, 46 seconds, 45 seconds. Anyway, we're getting close, so let's talk a little bit about these bubble teams. And we were talking a little bit with Matthew Embry, and in the, in the first segment, we were talking more extensively about these bubble teams with Mo from the BS Sports Show. So we've been trying to get through some of these bubbles, but so we're at the Big Ten, which is kind of convenient for you to jump in the conversation here. But we know Maryland, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, Michigan, Illinois, and Indiana most likely be a nine seed there are in. Let's look at some of the bubble teams. Let's look at this Rutgers uh, team. Rutgers landed an enormous win on Tuesday night as they knocked off uh, Maryland at home. The Scarlet Knights are now 18-11 on the season. They are 17-1 at home and are just 1-10 away from uh, where are we at with Rutgers on the bubble? Yeah, I don't have them in. I mean, I like to look at what have you done for me away from home and what's your record on uh, against good teams. And Rutgers just is not a team that impresses me. I, I think that what really helps Rutgers out is just the strength of how good 
the Big Ten is and how good uh, the you know that has been. So you know they're right on the frisk of being a 10 or 11 seed, which then puts you down you know on onto the bubble. Uh, it's going to be really close to see. It's going to be really tough to see uh, what Rutgers can do. Um, you know, obviously winning Big Ten tournament games are going to help you. A win today would be huge. Uh, but but my thing with Rutgers at 19 and 11 is this is is that look, what have you done away from home? And like you mentioned, they're one and ten. Um, they've got some decent wins. They did beat Seton Hall pretty pretty nicely earlier in the year. Um, not really a lot of bad losses. Um, losing to Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, Maryland. Those aren't bad losses. There's really not a bad loss in the Big Ten right now. If Rutgers to go and get a win today against Purdue, that would be huge because that's the team that they're fighting on the bubble for. Uh, but I don't expect it to happen, which I, I expect if Rutgers loses today, that moves them all the way to right on the bubble and also, and possibly on the outside looking in. Let's take to two local teams here. Let's start with Indiana. If Indiana gets embarrassed by Wisconsin today, what's that mean? I mean, it's that that probably means that they got a lot of work, a lot more work to do when they come here to Indianapolis next week. Um, right now, they're a play-in game, and a lot of expert brackets, you know, they'd be playing up in Dayton. They've got a lot of work to do, but you got to get a win today against Wisconsin. That would be huge. A Wisconsin team that's currently projected to be a a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you take care of business on the road. I think if I if Iowa if Indiana loses today, that puts them on the outside looking in. If they win today, that gets them into that first four by situation where you don't have to play in the playing game. So Indiana helped Purdue out a little bit, if you will, and and uh, the Boilermakers snapped a four game uh, losing streak with that win over Indiana at home on Saturday, and then Purdue went to Iowa City and knocked off Iowa, adding to their fifth quad one win of the season. Purdue is 9-13 and 13 against two the, the, the top two quads. Purdue is on the outside looking in as well. Yeah, and, and Purdue's one of those teams that they've got a lot of work to do, and there's some teams in front of them. You don't want to see Utah State win if you're Purdue. Utah State's in front of you on the bubble line. If Utah State were to beat San Diego State tonight, they're going to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. That steals a bit. Uh, Northern Iowa losing badly in the Missouri Valley Conference helps a little bit. Um, And you don't want to see teams like NC State, Wichita State, or Cincinnati make runs inside of their conference tournaments if you're Purdue. Purdue needs to win today. Purdue needs to win a game or two. Two would be great in the Big Ten tournament uh, to get in. Let's talk a little bit about the Pac-12 bubble watch, if we will. We know that uh, that Oregon, Colorado, Arizona, and USC we are definitely in. Uh, but uh, let's talk a little bit about UCLA. It's kind of odd, kind of weird that we're talking about UCLA being on the bubble, especially with years past. Uh, but uh, they had a, an enormous win on Saturday as they beat Arizona at home uh, to move them into to this uh, sole possession of the first place in the Pac-12. It's their destiny. It's their it's it, it, they're in control of their own destiny at this point. Yeah, I mean you you got to be able to to win, and any wins in conference tournaments are always going to be good for you. Um, and there's just so much that goes into it. But but the main focusing for a lot of these teams is to just simply take take care of business and get some victories over the next you know couple of days. 
The other Arizona team in the in the Pac-12 is Arizona State. Uh, suddenly, the Sun Devils have lost three straight games in a fail against Washington at home on Thursday. What do you say about Arizona State getting into the tournament? Yeah, that's a big, that's a bad loss to Washington, a Washington team that 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 has lost a lot of close games. It's probably better. When you look at the record, you look at it as a bad loss. And Washington's a better team than what most people think. Um, Arizona State, I think, is in right now. But, uh, you know, you, I think you're going to look at a better Big Ten team in IU or Purdue to get in over, a, you know, an Arizona State team. But the Pac-12 has not been all that bad this year. People always look at the Pac-12 and say, oh, they flame out. They're not very good. But this year, it's not been a bad conference at all. Uh, UCLA's kind of stepped up. Arizona's a really good team, as we know. Oregon, Colorado, all really solid teams. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would say that Arizona State uh, needs to get things rolling because, as you mentioned, it's been a rough week. All right, it's that time of the week for Tony Donahue's Pick of the Week and Picks of the Week to open up your, your FanDuel app and begin to, to take business. Uh, uh, Tony, tell us, uh, steer the ship for us. We've got our FanDuel app open. What are we doing? Yeah, I like uh, South Dakota State tonight. They play Fort Wayne. Uh, they own 11 and 9-point wins over Fort Wayne. This is on their home court. They're 20-6 and six in the Summit Conference tournament over, over the last eight years. They're 119-6 and six on their home court over since 2011. Uh, I really like South Dakota State as a big play today. I like Belmont to punch their ticket into the NCAA tournament by beating Murray State. Uh, that Vopel-Missouri State game should be a good one. I think Valparaiso edges out a win to move on to the championship tomorrow. And uh, NASCAR tomorrow, we'll have to see, but it's going to be hard for me to pick against Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson. A couple prop bets here for you. Peyton Manning becomes the next Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football, and they're going to bring back the gold jackets and everything. <laughs> uh, for $20 million, uh, I'll wear whatever the hell you want me to wear on TV. Oh, my God. And and, and this all took place because uh, – be- uh, uh, brain fart here. I'm starting to sound like Joe Biden. Um, but uh, God, who's the guy who just went over at quarterback? Uh, uh, Tony Romo went over. Yeah, thank you. I said I'm starting to sound like Joe Biden here. But uh, yeah, Tony Romo got 17 mil, and they're also saying that uh, he's got he'll have unlimited access to his private jet. I think they're just really quite trying to sweeten the pot here, and I think we're seeing a lot of things here that maybe. Maybe Peyton Manning's just like, yeah, I don't really need the money. I got my own jet. So we haven't seen anything for sure, but I, I'm with you for $20 million. I would, I would definitely uh, do it. Last prop bet, uh, we saw that uh, everybody in Vegas, as far as the bets goes, says Nick Foles ends up in a trade with the Indianapolis Colts to be the quarterback for the 2020 season of the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Um, I, I see them going after maybe a Phillip Rivers. Um, there could be a, a possible – there's a small chance of a trade, maybe to grab Dak Prescott, um, maybe even Matt Stafford. I think um, I think that's so far down on the list, Nick Foles. I think the people make that connection because of his time with the Eagles. But um, I, I think if, if they're going to sit down and look at either Nick Foles or Jacoby Brissett, they're going to keep Jacoby Brissett, who's been in the fold for the last year or two. Um, I would expect more than likely what's going to happen – if he's available at number 13, Jordan Love from Utah State will be drafted to the Colts, and they will keep Jacoby Brissett through his contract to start next year and let Jordan Love learn from underneath him and then roll from there. 
Tony Donner here with the Tony G Podcast. Tony, I know we ran you over a couple minutes. My apologies. Where can people find you working masterpieces, sir? <laughs> yeah, Tony D. Indy on Twitter, the Tony D Podcast on Spotify or Apple iTunes, uh, and uh, at On The Bubble Show. Talk a little college hoops coming up here in about 15 minutes. All right, Tony, we appreciate it, man. Have yourself a good weekend. You too. Take care. Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast, joins us up with us break down some of this bubble watch uh, stuff we got going on. Who's going to be in? And I mean, we're eight days away from uh, getting our, our brackets together. So it, right now it's just me and you. So if you want to talk a little bit, uh, NCAA, March Madness, uh, give me a call, 917-889-8516. Make sure you're also uh, following us on social media, at Twitter, and then just go to the to to the book of faces and type in the balance. You'll see us there. The our our logos there and everything. So let's just um, let's just kind of pick up where we where we left off at. So we're trying to get to all of these bubble teams if we can, if we can at all. Ah, I had to get some water. Needed some aqua, Aquaman. <laughs> uh, but let's let's move over to the SEC now. Of course, we know. Number nine, Kentucky. Um, I said number nine. I'm sorry. Probably in the top nine is Kentucky. My apologies. Auburn and LSU. We know our secure fits uh, for the uh, SEC. But let's talk a little bit about Florida. The Gators picked up another quad win on Wednesday night, uh, going into the Athens, going into Athens, knocking off Georgia. They have a bunch of good wins this year. Auburn 27, LSU 32 at home. Xavier 41, Providence 44 on a neutral on a neutral 30 by 32 points. So Florida has some work to do, even though they did a lot of work. I think Florida gets in, but they have to they have to make a good showing this weekend and throughout the week. Uh, they have to make a good showing in the SEC tournament. We'll see what happens. They don't necessarily have to win to get in, but they need to, to take care of business and, and make make that happen for Florida. Arkansas. Arkansas is another team that we're looking at on the on the bubble, if you will, for the SEC. So um, a lot of people say they're off the bubble, that, that they're in. Um, Arkansas is 19-11 on the season with seven and 10 record in the SEC after knocking off LSU at home on Wednesday night, they have a pair of quad one wins and six 11 record against two, the top two quads, which really isn't that great. Uh, but the more important record is this. They are now 19 and six on the season with a healthy Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe. Tell me does not sound like a NBA guy waiting to happen. Can you, can, can you just picture that? That's that's one of those that's one of those names that when introduced just rolls off your tongue. <laughs> but I don't think that'll be enough to get the Razorbacks onto the right side of the bubble. But I do think they'll get in. That's just my thoughts. A lot of people think they're still on the bubble, so we'll, we'll see. And and so next on the bubble though, let's talk a little bit about Tennessee. And let's since we're mentioning Tennessee, let's make sure that we. We uh, give our thoughts and prayers to the to the tragic tornadoes that happened in Tornado. I, I think we're up to 35 deaths uh, in the Nashville area uh, from these tornadoes. And everybody knows I'm a big Clay Travis fan. And he had a thing that if you buy uh, something from his store, he's going to give 100% of the profits 
to that. And he's raised a lot of money and I did my part. I ordered a out kick the coverage t-shirt. So certainly help support the people in Tennessee. And this is just, it's just a huge thing. And obviously way more important than basketball. Uh, but uh, thoughts and prayers to Tennessee and, and uh, the tornado victims there. Uh, but we talk about Tennessee, the basketball team. I, I guess it was too soon to entirely write Tennessee off, right? The Vols went into Rupp Arena on Tuesday night. He raced a 17-point second half deficit at the half and beat Kentucky by 14. That alone is not enough to get the Vols back on the right side of the bubble. But with the home game against Auburn coming up on Saturday – there's still a chance. Tennessee 17 and 13 on the season with a two and nine record against quad one opponents and an eight and 12 mark against uh, top uh, two quad opponents beat Auburn on uh, beat Auburn on Saturday. And they probably have a puncher's chance. So yeah, uh, Tennessee go out there and win it for the, for the tor- tornado victims uh, and beat Auburn, get yourself in there and secure yourself a spot. We're eight days away from, the uh, selection Sunday, bracket Sunday, bracketology, and on Thursday the brackets will begin to bo- uh, fall apart. I know at the office I'm heading up the the bracket challenge. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. And if you want to be, you want to have a balanced bracket, by all means, just send us a direct message on Twitter and just say, "Hey, send me a bracket," and we'll make sure that we get that out there to you and get you signed up. There are a couple little miscellaneous things that we need. We're not going to sell your information or anything, but we are going to need your email address. So uh, maybe just say, Hey, send me a bracket. Here's my email address. And uh, we'll, we'll sign you up and get you ready to go. Those brackets go relatively pretty fast. Usually by Monday we're full. So if you uh, want a bracket, I need to hear from you now. Feel like a feel like a you know a, a, a telethon type thing. Remember the Jerry Lewis telethons? We need you to call right now and donate your money. Good cause though. Good cause. I remember the Jerry Lewis telethon growing up. Do they still have that? I'm not sure. Not sure. I digress. Squirrel. Mississippi State, let's talk a little bit about Mississippi State in the SEC. The Bulldogs lost at South Carolina on Tuesday, uh, which was their last shot of getting a quad one win before the SEC tournament. Uh, they are currently sitting at 7-12 against the top uh, two quads with just two quad one wins to go along with their pair of quad three losses. The only team they have beaten that is currently projected for the NCAA tournament is Florida. I'd say Mississippi State. Wah, 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 dancing the NIT. I should, you know what? I should make jokes about the NIT. I use their every freaking year, almost, it seems like. And I, everybody knows I'm an IU guy. IU alumni, Indiana guy, Hoosiers. So we're praying. We're praying that we have some some good showing in the tournament and that Indiana does not on the outside look at in there. They might be doing the NIT dance as well as opposed to the big dance with the NCAA. (laughs) The junior prom. (laughs) South Carolina. 
Gamecocks picked up picked up a win over Mississippi State, which improved them to eight and ten against the, the the top two quads with a quad three loss and a quad four loss. The win over Kentucky continues to look better. The win at Virginia looks better too, but they still lost to Stetson at home, and that's not something that's going to go away. That's going to leave a mark, and I don't think South Carolina and the Gamecocks find themselves in. We talked a little bit about some of the other teams on the bubble watch earlier uh, with Tony Donahue and Mo from the, from the BS Sports Show. So we know that Gonzaga's probably in. We know that San Diego State's probably in. We know that St. Mary's is probably in. Talk a little bit about Utah State maybe being on the first four out. Uh, the Aggies have played their way into the final of the Mountain West Tournament, which is the only – which is only uh, the thing that they that I think that they can still do to still have a chance at large, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, it'll be very close for, for the Aggies, very, very close. And um, if they lose, I still think you, uh, Utah State needs to win an automatic bid to get any chances of getting into the big dance. The Aggies have not beaten a top 30 team this season and have only two top 85 wins, Florida, and LSU on neutral courts compared to two quad three losses. We'll see what happens there. Utah State looking out on the bubble, looking in. Next Saturday, we will be dedicating 95.9% of the show to IndyCar and to March Madness. And by that time, we'll have a pretty good feel of who's in and who's not. And then uh, we'll certainly, by, by, the, by the, the, the next show, we'll already have a couple rounds down. So we'll be, we'll be knee-deep in it, as they say. Let's talk about East Tennessee State and the other Tennessee, again, uh, remembering those, uh, those victims in the Tennessee uh, tornadoes. The Buccaneers survived Western Carolina on Saturday and will now head into the SOCON tournament as a regular season champ with 24-4. They, they win. They had a win at UNCG and a and win at LSU, but they also have an ugly quad fall loss to Mercer. Who the hell is Mercer? Somebody tell me. Look it up. Somebody tell me who Mercer is. You can't lose to a team like Mercer at home and expect to get into the dance. It just can't happen that way. And that was the killer. And that may have been the nail in the final coffin, the final nail in the coffin for East Tennessee State to get into the big dance. So we'll stand by and we will see. My name's Tom Marquezel Presidente. Been a great show today. Been great having you along. Uh, one more team that we'll probably have a little time, just a moment or so to talk about here, and that's uh, Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa is, a ser- is in serious trouble now. They have a tourniquet on. They're bleeding out. The Panthers lost to Drake by 21 points, and I'm not sure they did enough this season to be able to survive that loss. You and I also has, has just one quad one win at Colorado. And they beat South Carolina on a neutral court, and they are five and three against two top quads. Um, I just don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. Well, we're about out of time here. We're about out of time. Thanks to Mo from the BS Sports Show for joining us.
uh, first up. And uh, if we were talking about Peyton Manning, $20 million, being the next Monday night football host, thank you to Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, helping us begin our IndyCar coverage talk, because we get eight days, we, we roll into – uh, in 80 days, we'll be here in Indianapolis at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Steve Walsh, Speedway Digest, joined us, talking Phoenix, talking about some stuff going on, some tie-ins between uh, uh, IndyCar and NASCAR, Jimmy Johnson doing some testing uh, with McLaren. That leaves a big question what's going to happen there as well. And so thank you also, Tony D of the Tony D Podcast. Make sure you, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast, make sure you check him out at Tony D. My name's Sal Marcus El Presidente. Don't drink your Don't drink and drive it in cool. It's been great having you here and for God's sakes, wash your hands, guys. <laughs> wash your hands. We don't want any of our our, our listeners to be the um, next outbreak of the coronavirus. In all seriousness, let's take it serious, people. It's nothing to really joke about. But it's also nothing to get panicked about. Don't lock yourself in a room. Put yourself in a bubble. I'm out of here. Don't drink a drive. It isn't cool. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.